and gentlemen, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Hello and welcome to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right, and it, spring is here, and the one, warmer weather is almost upon us, and with many spring bulbs cheerfully telling us we're all starting to head out into our gardens. Tonight, it's our May in the Garden episode, and we're going to talk all about the do's and don'ts in your May garden. What garden projects are you looking forward to this May? Have you started working out in your yard or garden yet? You can write us at downthegardenpathpodcast at hotmail.com, and don't Forget to stick around for the end of the show for our new Stepping Stone segment, where we will answer more listener questions and give you timely tips for your garden and landscapes, even though the whole show will be all about timely tips and garden and landscapes. Right, Matt? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So thank you, everybody who was tuning in the last couple of weeks while we were away. Um, for me, school was ending and uh, Joanne was jet setting around the world. Uh, well, visiting. just to Spain. I just went okay. to Spain, but that, that was, yes, deep in having to do exam time and, and final final reports for his students and uh, getting them ready for uh, the summer. Um, so, yes, and I got to see some gardens in, in Spain. It was very cool. Um, very nice. So I was shocked at how many of the plants, like, you know, when you usually you travel, you see like tropical, like our house plants, right, as plants. Mm. Um, I don't want to talk the whole show about Spain, although I could, but yeah. they had like, they had cat mint and they had irises and like they had all of our plants, but Matt, they were all blooming at the same time. It was so weird to see like rose bushes <laughs> just blooming and irises and cat mint and, and, but spring, like spring, other spring things that are escaping me at the moment, you know, like it was kind of really interesting. It sounds like all the seasons were just kind of overlapping and bleeding together in parts yeah I think so and I think because it gets so hot I'm guessing that that's their garden season and then after May I think it just gets too hot and I bet the plants don't do well because we even went to um an area again I don't want to talk the whole show everybody about it but um <laughs> called uh, I'm gonna say it wrong Cordoba and so this was like a walled in kind of city so you went into these like these neighborhoods and um, no, like it's all concrete, right? Concrete walls and, and stuff. All one level, one or maybe two levels, right? So it's just two levels. And they had a garden. So we happened to be there and our driver happened to be like into gardening. So he's like, I want, I want you to see, like we've got time before we meet your guide. I want you to see how the locals live and their patios. And there's actually a, a garden tour of a patio tour. And he's like saying, he's driving and he's saying patio tour. And I'm thinking, does that mean something different in Spanish? Like, am I, <laughs> am I missing something? But it really was a patio tour, Matt. So we got to go. So uh, there were only five homes on the tour and we got to go in 
two of them and one we could see through because they were they were breaking for some some repairs or some fixing and watering and stuff so it was very cool to see so really it's like the main floor of their home in the center is their patio and oh, wow. it's like and so then they look their whole house kind of surrounds looking down on the patio so they've gone up on walls and all the containers on walls and it was very very wonderful to see so that's where it was a lot of well a lot of annuals like he knew what geraniums were he knew what all like all the annuals you know were that we have here as you know what they had and then they also had a competition so that was a competition for their patio but they had the front of the house instead of at their door they all had second story terraces so they had plants on the terraces as a competition so a lot of like these windows with you know cascading geraniums out out of them and it was very interesting so it was neat to see you know when on the outside it didn't really look like a plant-friendly community but the fact that they had them inside their home was almost more, almost better, right? Because you were always around them. That's a, yeah, that's the kind of garden I want, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. there. Yeah. On annuals and things. Nice yeah. big open space, fresh I air. Oh, seriously! And they literally were watering. They showed us how they watered. It was like a big. It was a big can on the end of a stick. And and they literally would fill it in, like fill the can with a bucket, and then they would, and then the they would, you know, that's how they watered, like, and I'm not talking watering can, like I'm talking like a can of tomatoes can. <laughs> and that's how they <laughs> watered the plants up high. Uh, it was very, very cute. I'll send you some pictures because I did oh, take some wow. pictures of that. Yeah, so it was very neat. So it was wonderful to see the country, but it was also wonderful to be a country that really takes pride in the the land and their flowers and, and the beauty of it all. So yeah, so it was great. Oh, sounds like a great trip. And that was one of James' first questions. Uh, he said, hello, Joanne. Welcome back here to the cold. How was your trip? So hopefully, yes. <laughs> there you go, James. She had a wonderful trip and some beautiful gardens to see as well. So that's amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would love to have kind of like that central patio or central courtyard in the middle of my house and just see the weather come and go and plant them and all the color that just is in like every surrounding room or view from yes. all the surrounding rooms it would be wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was really, and you never, like, I didn't, it didn't even, like, I didn't know that, right. When you see the, the homes, you don't realize what's inside until you realize. Um, so yeah, so that was really uh, neat. And a lot have rooftop uh, gardens as well. Cause they, you know, they'd be less if they're, they're three or four stories, you know, so then there'll be like a shared rooftop, gardens above so um and and anybody who had balconies oh my gosh they made use of those balconies for the most part so <laughs> yeah you'll have Definitely. to send me some pictures of their balcony oh yeah oh i will oh my gosh matt yeah i will i will <laughs> um, put a spanish flare on my balcony. that's right that's right really so, uh, so yeah so thank you everybody for tuning in uh we hope you enjoyed our two of our favorite shows which is why we replayed them um, during this busy season for Matt and I, or well, I guess busy season for Matt and not so busy for me. <laughs> um, but we're glad to be back and we're glad to talk about May. And I know, I know while I was away, there was like a few days of really nice weather and everybody freaked out, right? About getting out into the garden and oh my gosh, I'm seeing all the posts about, oh, I've been to the nursery and they don't have any lilacs and they don't have any of this. And it's like, oh, please. So I put that, I put a post out like people, it's patience, you know, um, you probably know more about how the 
um, schedule goes, right? Like the, the schedule for plant deliveries is, is last fall. Like they booked the trucks last fall. So it doesn't matter like if spring came a month early, those trucks are still not coming, right? Yeah, the plant orders are going in in August. They're booking trucks by October and they're setting them up for all the weeks ahead of time before even Christmas comes. We basically know who's showing up when and what's on each load. So the nurseries will get it. It will yes. all come. Nurseries are getting some stuff in. I've seen roses out. I've seen some trees, lots and lots of evergreens. Uh, but that deciduous stuff we want to be careful with because a burst of weather like we've seen in our garden, right? We've got some leaves coming out already. But if we get a good hard hit, that's going to set our plants or damage our plants or burn off mm -hmm. flowers. Yeah. So, yes. Remember, it's still the end of April. <laughs> So, I know, I know. Well, we can all remember the, like, you know, especially those poor, sad, you know, uh, hydrangeas that you shouldn't buy anyway, but the macrophilia ones, right? They get nipped and they get those, you know, black leaves. Like, they, mm -hmm. the, the nurseries can't sell them. Um, other tender things like Japanese maples, like, they don't even bring them in until they can, uh, you know, they may bring them in if they have a protected area uh, in their uh, in their nursery. But if they don't, then they are they're not coming up until the beginning end of may beginning of june right because they're just too yeah. valuable to get to get damaged yeah they are one of the last ones to hit land before the that may two four weekend and again yeah. weather dependent they might push it off or if they have to take the truck you hope that they have a spot um yeah. i was at the nursery um my old nursery uh, just on the weekend actually and they were bringing in two skids of japanese maples that were left over from last year and uh, they were in full, full leaf. They were completely out with that little burst of heat that we had. Uh, so, yeah, it was it's a lot of work to bring them in and find space. And Yeah. Yeah, but they, they would probably keep them in. inside, though, right? They're, they weren't going to put them. Did they put them out in the beds? They were putting, no, they were just putting them out so that they were warm and they were getting air. But right. not displaying them enough because they need to bring them in every night. So Right. Yeah. yeah. So excuse the uh, appearance of your favorite garden center. They're working hard to get you everything. Uh, you won't miss out. Make sure you're right. on their, their newsletters and their email list. But know that that, that little burst was a little tease. A little mm -hmm. tease indeed. Mm -hmm. so. I had hail today here in Pickering. What about you? Did you have oh. any? Did you see any weather? Oh, it you were in dark. Yeah, you were away. Yeah, it got dark and we could see it far away in the west. But yeah, there was yeah. nothing. And now that I'm home, it may have actually made it there. But yeah, we, yeah. we had nothing really. I I heard there was some rain here, but where mm -hmm. I'm in Oshawa, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it came out really hard. And then all of a sudden I look out and it's like, oh, wait, it's like staying on the cars, right? It looks like hail. So not damaging hail, but still, I mean, that just shows you how unpredictable um, the weather is. And that's yes. the, the most predictable thing about spring is that it's unpredictable. But it's unpredictable. <laughs> exactly. That's unpredictable, right? <laughs> and and there's no hurry and there's no rush and really to enjoy, you know, that what you've, you know, watching it ha start. It was lovely to come home and see my daffodils all blooming and stuff like that. So yeah. um, I was worried that with the heat I heard about, I thought, oh, no, they're all going to be done by the time I got home. But it, it just, it cooled back down. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. They drove them up and then just cool right to hold them. That's perfect. right. <laughs> That's good. Um, so Kelly's already asked. Uh, we should definitely start about lawns because Kelly's asked, um, okay, can I rake <laughs> now? What should I be putting on my grass now? So, Matt. <laughs> you know what? Spring cleanups are out there. I've seen a lot of crews in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. They're doing it. I know they're they're gathering leaves. I have seen ladybugs have been awake. 
um, and moving. And I've seen some other beneficials kind of out and about with that good solid five or so days that we've had. So, I mean, again, I would leave it just in case anyone's still asleep. Different species need so many different days uh, of warmth to really get moving. But probably for the most part gone. But again, with our weather being up and down and getting some really good cold, I would I would probably leave all those little clusters of leaves in the garden. The grass, though, right now is greening and it is active. So if you do have big piles or spots that might be hampering the new grass that is growing, you could go out and quickly grab that. But again, we want that ground not to be squishy. And there were a couple of times in the last week where it was warm enough that we got the growth and it did dry out. There were a couple of spots mm -hmm. I was testing and they were dry. So, I mean, depending on what precipitation you've got in the last couple of days, depending on where you are in Canada or the U.S., head out, um, see if it's squishy and grab it if you can. Um, but other than that, yeah, you don't need to do too much, especially if you're here in the GTA, Kelly. So remember, we've got our fall fertilizer, our winter fertilizer, still feeding and greening. The grass really isn't getting too thick, except for some of the really, really warm spots, like, you know, against the side of the building or some of the weed grasses that are, are growing, mm -hmm. uh, which can be deceiving. So we're not mm -hmm. quite ready for our, um, spring fertilizer just yet. It'd probably wait another week or two. We're getting to okay. the beginning of May proper. Beginning of May, right? Yeah. And because of the way the weather is, if it turns like it has, that we might already be there with that little burst that we've already had. Mm -hmm. So it might catch up in the beginning of May. We've seen the first Scythia is out um, in a lot of spots, in a lot of the full sun spots, in all the little shade spots I check. Uh, they're almost in full, full bloom. So we're on the edge of that corn gluten uh, pre-emergent for our crab okay. grass. We're kind of at the end of it. You could do it now. Oh, oh, end of it? I thought you. I thought we could do it when it first started to bloom. Oh, we want to do it before it bloom. Once it starts oh. to bloom, it's going to end. We're okay. we're getting to the point where the crab grass is mature enough. Um, okay. We might. Yeah, we may not have, or we'll have a minimal effect or a little effect on it. Okay. Because I don't think it's blooming in my neighborhood. I'm going to double check. So that's good. So yeah. just like you said on Instagram, right? Everybody has different gardens, different temperatures. So, you know, if you are in a very, and that's why I like to check the shade spots, because if you've got a shady lawn and you know there's a forsythia nearby in the shade, or you see it blooming, you probably still have a little bit of time going. Um, but I have one just in my neighbor, and they're in shade, and they're about halfway bloomed, mm -hmm. um, and their yard's in very full shade. So they're probably okay. still okay. But those bigger, sunnier spots where most of our lawn tends to be, we're kind of right on that edge of the end. So okay. again, you can do it, but if we get that warmth and we continue to see this grass grow, we're going to be able to go out onto it where it's dry, it's not squishy or wet, uh, and we'll be able to top dress and seed. So if you do do corn gluten, remember corn gluten stops all the seeds from pre-emerging. It's a general pre-emergent. Right. So if you do put down corn gluten, you need to wait five to six weeks before we can put new seed, grass seed on. For, for it to grow. So there's just that window. If you're mm -hmm. kind of questioning it, but you're in a good spot, you might just let it go. If you're really bad, you've got lots of open soil and you start to see weeds still coming in and your grasses slow to moderate, even with the burst, If speaking for the GTA, depending on where you are, uh, you may still want to put it on because you might be a little bit, little bit behind, but okay. yeah. So rake, I would clear up the little patches as they start to dry out. Uh, and it's good to stay on or, or grab those out. I'd leave them in the gardens and uh, just wait a couple more weeks for that food. 
Okay. And the one thing I want to say about raking is it not, it, raking is not to like lift up tons of, uh, expose a lot of soil. Like I think that's something, you know, everybody is worried about the thatch and, and raking and, and exposing, like they want to see soil amongst the grass, you know, so then they can put seed down, but really mm. you're just leaving too much room for the weed seeds. So it, it is meant to be a gentle thing. I don't think thatch is as big of a deal as, you know, there's still plenty of time later in the season to kind of rake that out, especially yeah. when the grass is, is, is actively growing. So yeah. So be gentle with the whole raking thing, right? Not like with a plastic rake or one of those, you know, you're not trying to like create, you know, yeah, would you try your yeah, where you pull your rake across your lawn, you don't want to see the tines with little wakes, like little jet skis with the water shooting out the back as soil, right? You don't want to rip it up so it just flares everywhere. Yeah, yes. again, thatch is good. It's the way the lawn is going to help protect itself. It's going to fight some weed seeds. If you get really, really thick thatch that are blocking those crowns of that grass, that will become a little bit of an issue um, where you're going to start to strangle those crowns, and that can be a problem. If you're raking regularly and you do dethatch once every year and a half to two years, you should be okay. So like mm -hmm. you said, you don't need to be digging in hard to uh, get that soil exposed and take every little bit of thatch away. Right. Yeah. Right. So thank you so much, Kelly, for your question. Thank you very much. What other questions do we have? It looks like we have a few more. Sadie's written in, hello, Joanne and Matt. Uh, when is the right time to cut back on my garden plants to promote spring growth? Ooh, that's kind of a tricky question. I'm just gonna say. Ah, what? so Sadie. <laughs> yes, send us what spring plants you'd like to yes. promote growth well, on. Are you? I would say, you... Sadie, the answer is no for anything that's spring. Yeah, so for anything that's gonna flower in the spring, I'll I'll say this part, and you can mm. you can add to it. Um, so Sadie, if there's anything that's going to bloom this spring, um, like wagelias, um, uh, um, <laughs> lilacs, lilacs, <laughs> thank <Persithia>. you, <laughs> anything that's spring blooming, we don't want to cut it all, right? Maybe, yeah. you know, if you've got something dead or if it needs to be, you know, you've got some cross branches in the middle and that kind of thing. So spring flowering, we don't want to touch. Um, if you, you know, after it's flowered, then you can go ahead and, and cut them back. Um, and really spring, do you, would you classify that trimming now would encourage growth? Not really. Cause everything's yeah. still really kind of growing. We don't have the apical dominance in full effect. Like it does when we're pruning like another hedge, right? We mm -hmm. have that active growth to promote that. Everything's actively being promoted by itself anyways, because mm -hmm. it's spring is coming and, and apical dominance hasn't fully set in yet. So say that word again, apical dominance. Apical, you guys heard that for here. <laughs> Matt, is that in the book? Uh, apical? I have to flip to the back to our glossary. Let's see if apical dominance. Spell that in our I, show I think notes. I, I skipped apical dominance. Okay, we will put it in our show notes, whatever <laughs> apical dominance means. But to everybody, um, that's the word for the garden tour. You guys can throw that around. <laughs> but yeah, so Sandy, there's not really much. I mean, I think you you can you can t start to like Matt said, if things are waking up in your garden, um, and you're seeing insects, then you can start cutting back, like you know the the dead um, grass, like ornamental grasses, mm -hmm. things like that. From and that standpoint of of promoting new growth, um, but um, but yeah, I, I think 
anything that needs to be um, kind of, you know, cut back from leftover from last year, if you still have the hosta, you know, yucky, like dried up leaves and, and things like that from past perennials. Um, some of the perennials, I say, I'll leave them a little bit longer because I find you you think that you're they're weeds, but then they're really like that happens to me with like coneflowers and rutabecchia, right? They look like weeds. And then you, when you weed them out and you're like, wait a minute, where'd my plants go? So sometimes it pays to be a little bit slower to, so that you really, really know whether it's a weed or not. That's right. And don't yeah. forget your garden journal or taking pictures. If you've got pictures mm-hmm. from the past of where things are, that can help you too to is that yeah. a weed? Oh, nope, that was there last year. I forgot. Yes, yes. So yeah. I hope that answers your question, Sadie. Uh, and thank you for reaching out to us. And uh, um, and you can put your pruning shirts down <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Nancy's also written in, Joanne, uh, do you speak Spanish now? <laughs> <laughs> Gracias. Yeah. <laughs> I, I let my husband do most of the talking. He's much better at the languages. So uh, Glenn did oh, all the talking. Daisy um, so. also says, is it healthy for climbing vines to be cut all the way back right now? Thank you for your advice. So you could prune out some of the, the vines if you really needed to, but no, we don't want to hack them all the way back yeah. to the ground. Annual ones, if they're dead, they're dead again and they're hanging out go for it. Uh, like you had said before, if we know as the things wake up and there are things that are crossing um, or rubbing or diseased or dead, we can always remove those as well. With climbing roses, you know, the third, fourth or fifth year canes as they get old um, or they be move beyond that fourth year really uh, and they become less productive, you can start taking out those. But for the most part, our woody vines, we're ready to, to kind of leave and let shape, mm-hmm. let them emerge. They're perennial, they've set wood and it's more of a maintenance pruning that we're going to end up doing just as they, they kind of grow and sprawl and kind of contain them to that area if we need to. Uh, but no, we don't need to necessarily cut everybody back all the way to the ground. Clematis is one of those ones that often get asked, do we need to prune it to the ground? And you want to make sure that you have a type three clematis or a group three that will just rejuvenate when you hack it to the ground and it, it springs back up. Uh, but always make sure if clematis is one of the ones you're thinking about, Nancy, you know the name. And if you quickly Google the name, it'll tell you what group it is and how to properly prune that as well. But we yeah. also did that in our book. So if you haven't got right. the book, yes. we do have it in our June section uh, yep. where we go through all of our clematis groups and when to prune them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if in doubt, don't prune it. Like I think, you know what I mean? Because then that just sets everything back. So yes. I think, you know, if, if it was meant to be pruned, then you're going to notice that because the blooms will come right and then you can still remove some of the dead, that type of thing. At least you will get some blooms. So I think if in doubt, you know, I, I love that saying, and I say that to almost everything, even beyond lines. When in doubt, don't. Um, yeah. Just let it go. Let it tell you. Remember, there's no one magically flying around in fall and spring pruning our plants back. They know yeah. what to do. Just trust their instincts, and then we can garden around them mm-hmm. or make the decision later after they give us a little bit more info. Right. Yeah. And that's another case for taking photos, right? So that you remember, oh, yeah, this one bloomed, you know, this way last year. So this is what I should do, Right. That's right. 
Yeah. That brings us to Steve's quick quick comment. He says, hi, will Joanne post some of her pictures from Spain online? Please do. Thank you. Okay. I I, I have on my personal page, but I, I don't know if I did on any on the uh, on our, our down to uh, down the garden path page on Instagram, but I will. There you go. So join us at Down the Garden Path podcast uh, on the Facebook group. You can join and continue the conversation after the radio show. See the posts and the pictures and interact with us uh, outside of our Monday night live show here on Reality Radio 101. That's right. Um, So, yeah, Henry said, do you, um, and yes, my trip was amazing. Thank you. And do I have to add any compost and manure to my gardens now? How can you tell if you need these things? Thank you. You could, again, Henry, I'd be watching for the ground squishy. You don't want to walk out on squishy soil in your garden or on your lawn to compact or compress the soil, Mm -hmm. push the air spaces out. You'll do more, more damage than good, especially moving large amounts of soil by bag or whatever so Mm -hmm. give it some time but you can add it in may um or even now again if that that time is right if if the ground isn't very squishy you can add a nice layer of two to three inches for compost you'll see a lot of some of the perennials may have frost heaved slowly out of the ground Mm -hmm. so you can see where the root zone is and they kind of have that rounded flare to the root ball so you might top up or dress around those that's one way you could tell that you might need a little bit more soil outside of that just knowing your soil structure do you have something that's very heavy clay here in the gta we have a clay loam clay is our natural clay loam soil so we often have lots of clay or if you're in a very sandy or silty area you might add some manure or compost with some good organic matter in there uh, and those humic substances the organisms let go will help bond everything and bind everything Mm -hmm. together or again if you have clay it'll help push away those clay particles Uh, so if you've got your soil texture the other way is to do a soil test if you haven't been really feeding or amending your soil in any way you may not need it you may have uh, enough organic matter and other nutrients that are already there but doing a soil test is another great way of just kind of taking a quick look at your soil, what nutrients it does and doesn't have. Well, is your organic matter high and low? And you can really read that to basically walk through what you need to specifically add to your your soil to really give it back that health. So there are a few ways um, that you can do it, but it can also, again, it can also be a low fertility compost would make a nice mulch as well. So you could do something like a, the Fafard's Biofor, which is a clay breaker, lower in, uh, for, fertility, but again, that has a nice little mulch layer uh, okay. to it and add some stuff to the soil. So yeah. And it's, it's adding compost or manure shouldn't be something you have to do every year. You mm-hmm. know, it should braid, it should be really something you can do maybe every other year, every third year. And I think you'll know if you see how your plants are doing. And if you see, yeah. you know, it's, it's instead of having to worry about fertilizer, you know, you don't need to be out there with water soluble fertilizers to, to make your plants happy. It's really about feeding this, feeding the soil with, with um with something organic not something that's just going to run run off right it rains and then that you know that soluble water is gone so our fertilizer is gone so really it's and i think it, sometimes you notice people who are are very keen to do it often but then the problem is the, the and this happens with lawns too the gardens get higher and higher and higher right and yes. you're covering a lot of base of the plants so you really don't want to overdo it either too much it could too much of a good thing 
is not necessarily better. So, um, and I see that a lot with clients that over the years, you know, we've gone to do a, like a new walkway or something like that. And their, their grass now is so high because over the years, every year they've added soil and added topsoil. And now that, you know, so we've literally had to resod the whole front because the grade is wrong, right? The, yeah. the water, now the lawn is higher than the grade, the patio is going to be at. And, and uh, so, and it, you know, it just, it just happens slowly over time. So you don't really even notice it until something like that happens. But um, so, yeah, so keep in mind, it's something, you know, it takes a year for that to break down and go through the whole seasons and, and really feel Feed, help feed the roots of your plants and if you're leaving your leaves on your winter leaves and things to decompose in the winter too that's also feeding your lawn right or a garden yeah exactly that's a source of organic matter for all those microorganisms to break down into smaller elements and give a really mm -hmm. good feed indeed that's right I as we hit 7.30 already, or half past the hour, it makes it a little bit more evergreen. Thanks for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from all of you. You can always write us any time of the week, down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com is our email address. You can also find us on our websites with all of our social media uh, content or links there as well. Joanne can be found at down the number two earth.ca and you can find myself at naturalaffinity.ca. May Excellent. in the garden. Mm -hmm. It is here. Mm. May is just on our doorstep. We were just saying earlier, it feels kind of weird because it's April 24th and it's the last Monday in May. I know, <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, it totally freaked me out though. I thought we had a different show tonight. So I was panicking a little bit, but it's like, oh no, this was easy. It's in our book. So speaking of the book, we do, I know we had our lawn questions off the mark, which we we know are coming and, and everybody's keen. Um, but in our book, we kind of start off with starting seeds and bulbs. And, uh, and so I know there's a lot of people that might have been, um, and I had my sons kind of taking care of my seeds in the basement, and I haven't been downstairs to look at and see how they, they made out. So, um, so yeah, so and I buy seeds every year, and then I don't follow through and plant them. So uh, I'm sure some of our listeners are curious as what to do and how to when it's still a little early to start the hardening off period, right? Yeah, you're going to harden them off, but we still have so many weeks before we're going to actually be able to plant them out. And again, we're speaking for Southern Ontario. So again, Correct. if you're further south in, in the United States listening, you may be beyond this pro process, mm -hmm. or you might be right at the front door of starting to harden things off. Uh, and if you're somewhere like Winnipeg, you may not have even started your seats yet. Yes. <laughs> so... Yes, we may not be quite at the hardening off level, but for those, if you're not sure, hardening off is basically us adapting our young seedlings who have grown indoors for that 24, 22 degrees 
under beautiful lights, maybe they're bottom heated, they've got perfect tropical conditions for them to be living in, and then we're going to shove them outdoors and it's like 10 degrees and they're going to freak right out. They won't take that adjustment or that crazy flip in temperature. They'll stress, they might get wind burnt, they might have um, some sunburn as well with if you put them out in full direct light. So hardening off is protecting them in a bright indirect, indirect lighting situation with some lower temperatures, not quite freezing temperatures. We usually want to see 10 degrees overnight, about 16 degrees during the day. We can put them out during the day only, bringing them in at night and giving mm -hmm. them about two weeks, one to two weeks, depending on the species as well of what we've got planting. Mm -hmm. uh, about one to two weeks in and out. It is a little bit intensive labor, depending on how much. Yeah, I was just going to say growing. that's a labor intensive part of growing that's... plants, but it's okay. Yes. <laughs> if it takes uh, you money, right? Exactly. And after that two weeks, they should be out and have adapted to the up and down of that daytime temperature, mm -hmm. adapted to the higher light, and then ready to be planted. So that is our hardening off. And we're going to do that not only with our seeds, but also our any house plants we're going to move. Same mm -hmm. thing applies to our house plants. So if you've got house plants you want to put outside for the summer, just like the seeds, we want to don't want to put them in direct sunlight first. They're not used to it. They will burn. We don't want to give them that overnight dropping. Tropical winters at 16 degrees Celsius. Um, I will learn Fahrenheit, I promise, my <laughs> our American listeners. Uh, <laughs> so yes, we want to treat our houseplants the same, the same way to harden them off as mm -hmm. well. Okay. Now, is it too late to start seeds? No, you know what? I am just starting some seeds now. Um, and remember some seeds, like especially our root crops um, or things like corn, we don't want to start them indoors necessarily. They will be planted or carrots. They like to be right outside. So beets, yeah. Beets, right. Some of the peas, the snap peas, things like that, beans, they may have some cold resistance to them. So they may, again, following your seed package instructions always for timing, you might have put some of them out already indoors. Um, I know a few of my students have done that and they have just some little growth coming out that's specific to that seed. So mm -hmm. yeah, you may still be able to start your seeds uh, indoors now. I still have um, one of my starting indoors. I still haven't planted a couple of them. Some tomatoes I have yeah, yet to plant. tomatoes, because tomatoes, you know, they don't need to be, we don't need to start them super early, right? Because then they get too leggy. So right. we could still start some tomatoes. Yep. I have a, um, a sweet pepper, like a, a habanera pepper. Um, so it's like a habanero. It's got the flavor of a habanero, but no fire of the habanero oh. pepper. Yeah, so I have those I'm just just starting. But again, we are, again, in the GTA. We are still, I think, yeah. five, maybe in the end of six weeks ahead of when we're going to be able to, or should be planting outside. Mm -hmm. And in our area, a lot of people say June 1st. So that yeah. adds another week and a half. So looking at your seed packages, when is your frost date? And then the weeks before your frost date for your area. Mm -hmm. So we're still pretty good. We can still yeah. do a few plantings of a few different things. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, yeah. So everybody who wants to even try it, I think it's almost um, better to to start it later. Like, I think you'll be have more success because it's there's a lot, a lot less waiting. Like you get to go and, and just run with it. Right. And then the weather's nice and you can start even the hardening off process is easier because it's later and it's warmer. I think it gets yeah. to me. It's, it's the harder work is when you get them too early going and then you're trying to keep them alive inside and all the issues that come with something being leggy or, or some, something, you know, having 
it just gets to be higher maintenance. So um, I think uh, I think starting now is is a good thing. And there's not even just food. There's flowers too, right? So some of your flowering plants you can start inside as well as direct sowing outside. That's right. Lots of flowers. Um, I'm going to grow a strawberry blonde um, marigold that I'm starting inside. I've got, I'm weird. I've got dandelions I'm growing uh, inside for their flowers and their food. Uh, I've got some different verbenas. There's lots of things that you can grow uh, flowers indoors as well as herbs. Yes. As well, right? Seeds oh, and right. create yeah. that continuous harvest as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I bought nasturtiums because I know when we've had uh, Nikki Jabour on the show, I've never grown nasturtiums. I've never, and I think I bought them last year and then I left them, forgot to plant them and they died. So this <laughs> year I bought them, but I still didn't grow them. So this time I bought some to grow. So when I find where I put my seeds, <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will plant them. Uh, I will plant yeah. them. Um, so yeah, so you should take a picture of your setup or when you start planting and I'll do the same and we can share with everybody on our Facebook group so they can see. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to, you just have to get it done, right? Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. Yeah, I think a lot of us get caught up in, oh my gosh, I can't do it. I don't have the right this. I don't have the right that. Yeah. The, the seeds, once they, they detect the right conditions, they're going to grow. They're, yes. They're programmed to do their thing. A little bit of light, a little bit of warmth, a little bit of water. That's and all it needs. Out they yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like anything. When you see other people posting these fancy, dancy things, you know, it gets can be very intimidating. But uh, for the most part, it, it doesn't need to be at all. Keep it no. simple. Exactly. The, the, the KISS method. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of planting things, you may have overwintered some non-hardy summer bulbs, like right. your cannas and callas. Mm-hmm. You can start potting them up now as well. So giving them a bright window, uh, whether it's a north or a west, they're going to start to grow and get through some of that vegetative stage before they start to flower for their summer flowering. So you can put them out and they'll look a little bit more like you would buy one in the garden center. They're of a size. They're they're started ahead of time. So, sorry, when you say put them out, meaning putting them outside? Sorry, sorry. No, yes. Thank you for the clarification. Putting them out, putting them out of their, their little overwintering spot and potting them okay. up and getting them ready. Sorry, you're okay. not going to put them outside yet. Uh, if we get a freeze, they will still fall to the frozen soil. Right. Correct. Yeah. So we're going to just okay. pot them up. And then again, we're going to just treat them like our house plants and our seeds. We'll just slowly put them outdoors okay. uh, and harden so, them off a bit. So cannas, callas, dahlias? Dahlias, gladiolas. Okay. Gladiolas. Okay. Also, anything we, that isn't hardy, winter hardy in your area. Mm-hmm. So tulips and things like that. Again, you know, we're, that's a whole other topic. But right. <laughs> we shouldn't have any of those to put out. But <laughs> Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Okay. That's great. So lots of time for seeds to be planted and started indoors. That's right. So we've got another question from Katie. So she's enjoying the show tonight. Thank you, Katie. Um, is this is this a good time now to feed our plants with plant food? A question mark. And then in brackets, she put commercial stuff. Um, commercial stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's like, I'm not sure. <laughs> Are they going to stuff sure. that you're seeing on commercials, Katie, or uh, you know, professional stuff? Um, yeah, I, I again, I think we go back to you know our preference for uh, feeding. Although, she, if she's talking about house plants, that's different too. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, so as far as feeding our plants outside, um, 
you know, doing some compost and some manure, you know, the beginning of May as the soil warms up a little bit, it's a good time. And that's the best way to really feed your plants. Um, but not sure if you are meaning houseplants because the spring would be a good time, right, Matt, to start fertilizing. Yeah, as the days grow longer, those tropical houseplants are noticing it and they're going to start activating those roots and shoots and they're going to start to fatten up and grow. So you can definitely be feeding them. Katie, I was wondering, as you say commercial stuff, do you mean like synthetic versus organic fertilizers? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, houseplants, most certainly. Outdoors, um, if it's dormant, they're not really feeding much. So, I mean, if they're dormant, you don't need to worry about starting a heavy fertilizing regime mm -hmm. or program yet just wait till they show you some growth then they're actively moving and then they mm -hmm. would be looking for some food but indoor house plants most certainly we usually say from about april to october um so i say you know like easter time to uh thanksgiving or canadian thanksgiving uh all the way around through the summer so the summer months that's usually when our days are longer sun's intense they're actively growing every two weeks is perfectly fine and then usually about once a month through the winter from October back through the winter to April, once a month is usually good with the lower lights and the less activity. But yeah, okay. you could be feeding, just see if they're ready for food. Are they yeah. or not? Well, that makes me um, wonder about, um, so yeah, we have we have that graphic. We always worried, remember when we put, wrote the book about, do we have this graphic too many times where we say <laughs> fertilizing, if it's dormant, don't feed it. We have it like all over. Um, but, I, but when I flip to our evergreen trees and shrubs section, we do talk about um, granular fertilizers to feed them. Um, so is that something that, you know, May, so we kind of say, I would think it's more, a little bit more till the end of May, right? When things are really starting to grow. So we say begin to feed your trees and shrubs, evergreen trees and shrubs, when you see new growth emerging. Granular fertilizers feed over four to eight weeks. So, you know, it's a slow release, right? Over the summer, so yeah. that the end of May is the time to do that type of thing. Yeah, so once we, we see a lot of our trees, especially here again in, in the GTA, a lot of our trees have flowered. So the maples are out, the magnolias are out. They're pushing out their flowers. They're not necessarily growing new shoots, leaves mm. yet. So they're not really super hungry yet. They're going off their reserves. So we still have a couple of weeks to go. But once we start to see some true leaves starting to emerge, there's that point where she's starting to generate lots of new, new growth and we could start feeding it. So we could use our granular fertilizer, put that down, um, and then again, feeding that two to, to uh, sorry, not two, <laughs> feeding that four to six weeks, depending on who you've got. And maybe right. even up to eight weeks, depending on who you've got as a granular fertilizer, right? Or again, every two weeks um, with a tree and shrub water soluble fertilizer into the canopy, uh, or sorry, the drip line at the edge of the canopy area, where most of the active roots are growing. And then for our bigger trees and shrubs, we can stop feeding them about Canada Day or July 1st. So when we get to um, the big holidays in July. July in the garden. <laughs> yeah, July in the garden, we can stop doing our fertilizer because we don't want to, fertilizer is going to encourage new growth. We don't want new growth going into the winter. And we don't, we want to give it time to harden off and thicken up and yeah. slow down a bit. Yeah. And we don't really recommend the garden spikes. We know everybody kind of likes them because they feel like they know where they what what they're doing and they know yeah. where they are and they can see when they dissolve and stuff. But it really is so um con concentrated, right? And it's not necessarily the drip line where we want to water things. Um again, you can refer to the book that, you know, where we we kind of show you the articles on or that 
the references for the drip line for our plants and trees and shrubs. So, so that's something what we, you know, what we really would advise not doing, right? Yeah, the tree space. I, I wish I could find the report, um, but I saw a paper out of Guelph. It was probably like 12 or 14 years ago now for me. Um, but yeah, they did a, a study where they had the tree spikes go into the ground and they basically dissolve outwards and start falling down. So they basically look like a rocket going out into space <clears> with a big tail that just slowly widens the further it goes away. So you're just getting that nutrient concentration going straight down in a cone. So if the roots aren't there, you're just feeding parts of it. Yeah. 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 So I'd rather yeah. do granular organ like we've said like a water or tree injection system have an arborist mm -hmm. come out and properly yep. root our yep. trees yeah or yeah ross root feeder if that's something if you have a lot of trees or let's say a cedar hedge that you really want to fertilize yeah. and look after then investing in it's like a little gadget with a spike at the end with holes in it and you put the and you hook it up to your hose and you put the fertilizer tablets in the top and the handle right and then and then you're basically pushing it down so now you're really watering the roots you're watering them and you can do it for watering purposes but you can also mm -hmm. do them adding the fertilizer so even if you didn't want to add fertilizer it's a good way to do deep deep watering as well so it's a handy gadget to have um yes. not that cost prohibitive and nope. um <clears throat> and you can use it for a long time um and on a variety of different things so um so yeah so that's something especially because you know people put in like big cedar hedges it's, it isn't a huge investment and you don't want like sections of them or individual ones to die. Yeah. So you want to make sure that they, um, but they also tend to need less love than people give them. I, I think a lot of cedar hedges, you know, uh, just like houseplants, we kind of kill them with kindness, you know? Yes. Uh, you and I both know from the garden center, the, the main return plant return is because they gave it too much love. <laughs> Nature much didn't love. do it. It was too much love. Yes. yes. Or they brought them back too soon. Um, yes. They haven't yes. leafed out yet. So things, so we, you know, hardy hibiscus, uh, Rose of Sharon's, they are not dead. Do not bring them back. Do not dig them out. Yeah. You know, I, uh, in our Instagram post, I also said, you know, it's, you got to give it till June. Don't think that something, yeah. something May 15th, May long weekend hasn't leafed out or bloomed yet or grown or shown it, leave it alone. Give it a couple more weeks. And even, and I think remembering that, you know, your friends, it's, but it's blooming in my friend's garden or it's blooming in my neighbor's garden across the street while that neighbor's getting a different amount of sun than you're getting. Um, you know, so there's lots of variables. You don't know how much soil and whatever, if there's concrete, if it's close to the house, like you said earlier, right, that area is hotter, that's going to bloom first, grow first versus a, a shadier side. So there's, that's the one tricky thing about gardening is it's, there's so many variables. So please, um, no digging anything up and, and returning anything um, until at least the first week of June. Uh, that's when you really will know and, and you'll be shocked at what just pops in one day overnight, everything pops, you know. Um, so, so many true. of the things that, you know, we had in our, our first gardens, right, were things that people returned, uh, <laughs> you know, that really weren't dead. You know, the ornamental grasses that really weren't oh, dead. Yeah. The uh, Rosa Sharon's and the Hardy Hibiscus, you know. So, uh, yeah, the Hardy Hibiscus, I think, get almost wait till July. <laughs> but uh, Oh, right? yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. They, they start like mid to end of June. Like Yeah, for sure. Crazy. You've got to give them lots of time. So that's why you have to hide them with other plants. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so everybody be patient. That was my biggest focus today and in, in our my Instagram post. Yes, and there uh, echo that as well. Uh, it, just be patient. 
it's just not quite time. We've been teased and we're excited. <laughs> That's right. That's the right. only other thing I would say about the Ross Roof Feeder, mm. be careful, just a safety thing. They work wonderfully. I love them. Absolutely. Um, watch when you're putting it into drier soil or when you do insert it, turn the water on slowly when you push it down so that it, it enters the soil softer. But if you just jam it right in there, you'll very quickly compact uh, the soil around the spike that's going to release the fertilizer. And if you turn it on the, or the water, if you turn it on the full, the pressure is so hard that it'll just slide it right back out. And I've seen people get hit in the jaw and the nose because it goes from zero to a hundred. Oh no. Goes straight out. So lean over and just let it drip into a soft spot slowly. So take a minute to let it get in, but then and then slowly crank her, but she will feed the water beautifully. Beautifully. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've been using mine the last couple of years. So I, I think I definitely need to get it out this year and, and give some love to a few things. Um, but I do get, you know, I, I do have an arborist come and fertilize things in the fall and, and put, well, not the organic fertilizer. They put the aluminum, is it the aluminum no, or magnesium? What do they put down? The aluminum sulfate that lowers the pH to turn them blue. Is that what you're thinking? Mm, no, not that. Or I what do you? I think it's the magnesium because of the salting, because of me having the corner, oh, yes, corner yes. lot and, and uh, all my walk, my garden is, has a lot of exposure to the salt for our walkway. So um, I was getting a lot of um, uh, damage to my leaves looking very uh, caloric and stuff. And so Richard thought that, um, that that would help. So they come in like winter, like November with like, it looks like, like um, blowers and they blow all the, the magnesium uh, onto and that's really has helped my Japanese maple, um, and all of my Japanese maples and my hydrangeas. Uh, it definitely, I've seen the benefit of that. So, um, so yeah, I was damaging, you know, but it, it's hard. You need to be safe to walk to your front door. You know, it's like such a quandary when I yes. have, I, I unfortunately have the corner lot having that big walkway. So uh, it's a long walkway. Uh, so yeah, so that has definitely helped. Um, so yeah. So any other questions you have for me in the garden, you know, you can send us, now in the last couple of minutes or definitely post in our Facebook group for us and we can answer you or even better it makes a wonderful Mother's Day gift which I've also been promoting on social media but uh, picking up a copy of our Down the Garden Path uh, book that will just again it's broken down just like our show segments month by month what to do what not to do in the garden um, if we keep getting a ton of rain then please stay off the garden stay off the grass uh, that type of thing. So we really keep it practical. Um, and as far as our stepping stone stuff, Matt, I thought we, we haven't given enough love to our favorite um, uh, plants. <gasps> I know. So I thought I would talk about my cat's pajamas cat mint because I mentioned that I saw cat mint blooming in Spain as well. Um, so it's a great little flower. Uh, it's the first to bloom in the garden. It's compact. It reblooms. And even though it's not a native plant, it does attract a ton of pollinators. And I personally love that periwinkle blue. So that's my um, garden favorite for the month of May in our book. And yeah. how about yours? Mine is the Yuki Cherry Blossom Dutsia. Just a nice two feet tall, two foot wide, nice soft medium green leaf. Uh, blooms, pink blossoms over the low mounding shrub with nice little uh, white margins and a little pink fleck and then beautiful purple color in the fall for our fall color. So lots of rich cherry blossoms, 
right about now or about to be now as it warms up through May. I'm still thinking we're in May <laughs> as yeah. we get into May and then some nice rich fall color. Um, but there excellent. are lots of lovely plants yet to arrive at your garden center. So um, one of the other things uh, that we don't talk about in our book, I don't think, and that it is kind of time now, I noticed a post from our friends at the Environmental Factor that now um, with the with the rise in the last couple of years of the LDD moths, mm -hmm. right now um, they're suggesting it's time, um, the spongy moth caterpillar, so it's time to check your trees. So yes. are the spongy moth caterpillars the same as the LDD? Uh, no, I think they are a slight difference, if I slight remember correctly, but okay. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Okay, well, we'll get, regardless, we don't want any of those caterpillars. So no. um, they're saying at the end of April through mid-May, larvae will begin to hatch. So at this stage, the larvae are hungry and looking for leaves to consume. So they have a new um, V9, sounds like for a car, a <laughs> V9 tree belt that can be wrapped around any tree. So I'm sure you've seen some people, you can make it with, you know, um, for the LDD moths or the gypsy moths, as they used to be called, um, you know, with duct tape and burlap. There's some different, you know, Google it. There's a different things. But if you do have trees in your area, you do want to keep an eye and see if there's any insect sacks, um, you know, that you can start to scrape off and, and dump into a bucket of soapy water. Um, so now is a good time to catch it before those things start to um, to hatch or to grow. That's right. Yes, I can think of many trees um, that are out there that are just filled with them. They're just filled with those eggs and all of our public spaces. So. Yeah. And it's tricky because I know you can uh, only really get to as far as you can reach that you never can get to all the ones up in the top, but you might as well you do what you can do. Right. I think everybody can do. But the one thing, yeah. the way the belt works is because even the ones that you can't see up in the trees, they do drop at right. They do drop down in the night and, and overnight in the, in the ground. And then they go back up into the trees. So yes. You know, that is why the belt works, because it's not like once they're up there, they stay up there. They actually do drop down to be cool in the lawn um, overnight and then go back up again. So, yeah. Right. So, uh, so, yes. So take a look. If you know you've got them, you've got some work to do. Mm -hmm. got and we've got one last question from Frank. Oh. He's asked about an herb garden. So is it too early to start a herb garden outside here in the GTA? I think it's a little early. I think you could probably start them inside, um, Frank, and get them going. Because they, they usually tend to germinate pretty quickly, don't they, Matt? Yeah, they'll grow pretty quickly and pretty good. So you could definitely start them by seed. Again, if, if we get up to that 16 degrees, if we get some really warm days again, you could put some of them outside or put some mm -hmm. plant potted plants that maybe you bought outside for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, it would be too early to start them. Yeah, or if, you, or if you go, because sometimes they are sometimes uh, one of the first things that garden centers do bring in because they and they are keeping them outside because they've already been hardened off. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that is, you know, if you buy them at the garden center and they're already outside, then that is something that you could, you know, keep outside. So really, it depends on how you do it. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then just watch that nighttime temperature. Yeah. And that was my one of my other thoughts, as you say that. Um, Actually, remember, too, if you're looking, if you're not starting seeds, you could buy a lot of the plants already started from your garden center. But the weird and cool, different, you know, little bit of outside of the box kind of stuff shows up a couple weeks before 
the May 2-4 weekend. So mm-hmm. don't, or, or whatever your final last frost date is. Usually mm-hmm. the garden centers will have it a couple weekends before then. So mm-hmm. start looking a week or two ahead of your final last frost date to get the weird and wonderful tomatoes and peppers and eggplants mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the staples will be in stock, but some of the outside interesting, different, interesting things will yes. be gone. Yes, for sure. Yes. Interesting, interesting. <sighs> Dave also just said, fantastic show tonight down the garden path. So thank you as well, Dave and everybody else who's written us in and tuned in. Um, We're glad to be back and alive. Speaking of back, don't forget you. Well, I don't know what that was, but (laughs) a week segment or segue. Don't forget you can support us uh, as well on Patreon and YouTube. Um, so you can show some love YouTube. with us on Patreon. And don't forget YouTube as well. We've moved over to YouTube. Uh, so all of our past shows or as we've released new shows, they will be out on YouTube. So you can go back in time. Maybe you're not a podcast listener. Um, maybe you're listening live, but you play on YouTube a lot. You can find past episodes there as well as your favorite podcast providers. Mm-hmm. And don't forget... Continue the conversation with us or say hi or share or like our call stuff. Uh, join us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Down the Garden Path Podcast. Our, is our handles there. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, I'm going to interrupt you for a second to say that the Patreon part is, is, you know, buy us a coffee or for $10, the $10 level would be after tonight's show, like after the month of the, in the garden show, you have us on, on zoom for 10 minutes or sorry, for half an hour or so to ask us questions, show us pictures, get advice from us as far as we're also landscape designers. We love your design dilemmas. So um, so yeah, so for 10 bucks, you get two landscape designers for a half an hour. We think it's a great deal. Um, so we'd love to see some faces for a change. So um, um, yeah, so that's just something, to, you know, we think there's great value there. And we'd hope uh, you would too, especially as we get going into the, the gardening season. Yes, exactly. Exactly. With that, that's the end of our show. So don't uh, forget to stay tuned next week. Uh, we have, and I'm going to maybe mispronounce her last name, but Katie Timoni from Monrovia uh, joining us on May 1st uh, to talk about some plants. And then we're joined by Kathy Jentz on May 8th to talk about her newest or latest book, Ground Cover Revolution. So some mm-hmm. interesting plant-focused topics in the weeks to come. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in here live or if you're listening at home for the recording. We appreciate you too. You're listening to Down the Garden Path here live on Reality Radio 101. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.